right, Tanya, are you there? Yes, I am. Good to be here, Martha. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Hey, good morning for me, but it's good night for you. I'm literally yes. here like almost midnight. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's 10.30, which is, um, well, as we say that uh, the night is young. So oh, I'm totally okay being on this call right now. <laughs> the night is young. Well, you were saying that you're just having dinner. Yeah, I was just eating late and working at the same time and watching TV. Can you imagine I was doing all three things, yeah. watching a movie. So one eye on the TV, a bowl of salad in one hand and <laughs> typing with, with I don't know what. So like one hand at the keypad, bowl of salad and eyes on the TV, all three happening all at the same time. See, at least it was salad. In my particular case, around this time, I'd be like eating cake. That's my problem. <laughs> I did have a tiny bite of that too, I have to admit. So I had progress to dessert when I realized, oh my God, it's 10.30. <laughs> well, because you're in India, right? I mean, let's tell everybody yes. you're in India, right? And I'm in California. So we are on totally different sides of the world. And how beautiful is it that we're connected? I know, Martha. In fact, I cannot stop marveling at the fact that the world is so much smaller than we thought it was. And now, uh, and also the connection that we do have, imagine just randomly connecting on LinkedIn. We've had many conversations, chats. I feel I know you. I feel close to you. You feel close to me. And it doesn't matter that it's daytime for you and it's nighttime for me. And we're still making it happen and we're zinging. And I love that. Yes. And I just met your daughter. Yes, you did. The <laughs> all popular tiny T who features in so many of my stories on LinkedIn. Well, you're a storyteller. And I have to tell you, that was one of the things that I gravitated towards you. Like when I first started seeing all of your posts. And by the way, let me just go back. It is a small world. Like, how small is it that we can just, I don't know, I feel like I can just reach over there and like, like, like hug you. And, uh, you know, this whole stupid pandemic, you know, that's happened has, has caused for a lot of weird dynamics. But I think one of the bright sides of it, I guess, is the ability to connect with a computer anywhere in the world, anywhere in the world. And people should take advantage of that, take advantage of that right now. But I was able to connect with Tanya, and Tanya's an amazing storyteller. And, you know, I was really attracted to you with your stories. You're a beautiful lady, of course, but attracted. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and I don't mind your saying that you're attracted to me. I think we are people, and people should be attracted to each other. You know, there's this like gravitational pull. We gravitate towards people, so it's totally okay. Yeah, I was going to say, it's the mat. You had just such like a mat magnetism about you and I was like okay let me know more about this lady and it's because you tell a story like I haven't heard anybody else do it and it feels like and I'm, I'm kind of getting into this right like everything is a story everything is a story right Tanya like absolutely everything is a story any moment which has passed the moment that we are living right now and the moment which is yet to come is a potential story if only we have our story lens on. So tell me about what's a story lens? What what is that for you? <laughs> uh, well, as you can see, I'm wearing my glasses right now. <laughs> now just imagine that instead of just these, you know, 
powered glasses, if these glasses were the lenses through which if I were to see, everything looks like a story. For me, a story lenses, when you see anything unfolding before your eyes, you know, there's there's a sensation, there's a thought, there is, there's a potential of a learning. It could be, can I, can I pick up something that I want to emulate? Or can I learn something that I don't want to do ever because it it does not go down well with others? And that's the story lens. Uh, Story lens is just the ability to look at the world through a pair of eyes. That's not just seeing, but it's feeling, it's understanding, it's evaluating. uh, And we are doing so much more. And that's a story lens for me. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And, you know, I, you just said a, a very strong word for me, which was feeling it, right? Like you literally mm-hmm. you have to almost kind of like step back a little bit and pause. So, hey, let me tell you, I live in the Silicon Valley, okay? Mm-hmm. And everything is go, 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 go. So fast, so fast. This last year, year and a half has actually caused for some dynamics to allow it to slow down a little bit. And I have to tell you, it's put my story lenses on, right? Like even like before this call, Tanya, I was, had my earphones on and everything's like super amplified, right? And I'm hearing like the birds outside. Like I'm literally hearing the birds outside and I'm like, wow, this is going to be a good day. It's going to be a good buildup to whatever I'm going to talk about with Tanya. But like everything, depending on how you look at it, can be a story. And, you know, being in business, and I want to talk to you about two different storytelling things, because you, you do uh, seminars and you teach this stuff. And I know you've done some of it with, with a, even Adobe, my company that I've worked at, right? It's so interesting, because one of the things that's been very consistent that nobody had ever talked about in my whole experience in, in the Valley has been, how do you storytell business? a business, anything. And, you know, one of the things that I push for people to do when they're presenting their plans their whatever is storytell it. What's the story? And there's no difference between a business story and a personal story. I don't think. Is there? (laughs) Well, that's an interesting question. I think personal stories do have a place in business, but business storytelling is, uh, is a niche area in itself. So there are so many stories at work that we could tell, right, Martha? It's about what I have done so far, what we are doing in order to create an impact in others' lives. Um, How do our choices affect our customers or employees in the organization? That's also a story and it's very, very work-related. There are also stories about what have we innovated So there's innovation stories that you might want to talk about. There are strategies that could be communicated and shared with people at large within the organization to align everybody to that big strategy. And storytelling comes in handy there. Uh, So there are just so many different forms of storytelling. Yes, personal stories have a place in business. But even then, something that I learned very early, Martha, when I was a kid, you know, so my dad's quite a storyteller himself. And uh, and my mom's, my mom was also a storyteller while she was there. Uh, So something that they told me about, both of them, was okay you might find it funny but there are four kinds of stories okay personal stories 
So the first kind is the the stories that you tell to people from the porch. You're standing on the porch. Somebody is passing by. So it's like a hi, hello. You want to have a superficial conversation. You might want to talk about the weather. You want to talk about hey, how were holidays? Did you read the newspaper? Did you watch you know? Did you watch the match? You may have a perspective that you want to share, but you don't want to make it too controversial. So there are porch stories. Okay, but they concern you and how you view the world. The second kind of personal stories they said are like the living room stories. Now, your living room is a sacred space. This is your inner, you know, sanctuary. So when you invite someone home, you can sit and have a chat with them. But you have called them home. You're serving tea, coffee. You could be serving them wine or beer or scotch, whatever is your preferred drink, and they enjoy too. But there's greater intimacy. This is where you can talk about your past, your future, what's happening with you right now, because these are a chosen few, and there's nobody else listening. Yeah, and then there are kitchen stories. Martha, I want you to imagine this: some guests come over. So there's about a set of three or four couples, maybe a few other single friends. You have a room full of people. Okay, living room. You get up to go into the kitchen, but there's only one or two select few. who would follow you into the kitchen because they're looking for a quieter moment with you and they want to share something with you or they're waiting to ask you something in private because you share that kind of deeper intimacy with them so those are the kitchen stories and you choose who you share those with now kitchen stories while they are really good in personal dynamics i think there is a place for all three even at the workplace living room stories translate into uh, at the workplace for me would be when you're having a team meeting when you you know uh, they can be used maybe even for town halls where you want to share a part of your life but but you know but something which is okay and would be easily digestible by others or you know uh, something of that sort porch stories of course come in handy to just introduce a topic maybe but kitchen stories work very well behind closed doors i want you to imagine now having a one to one with a team member or a colleague or someone else you know someone that you that you're okay sharing uh, even your innermost secrets with because i know that it might motivate someone it might inspire someone or it may even help them deal with a struggle or challenge that they have in their lives and then finally there are bedroom stories and we don't go into the bedroom at the workplace at all <laughs> so <laughs> so keep those out of the equation but you know it's interesting how we had conversations like these at home and my mom and dad were very uh, you know very good about this in terms of you know sharing their knowledge with us my sister my brother me as to how do you draw boundaries so while there are boundaries there is still a way for you to connect with people but find your points of connection and how close do you want to get with people so yes there's a place for personal stories in business like i shared a few examples but business stories otherwise in themselves they're a beast uh, but in a happy way okay i want you to think of uh, a beast which could be tamed and you know and and has a kind heart i'm honestly imagining because my daughter's into uh, still into fairy tales so the beauty and the beast kind of beast with a kind heart but business stories can be enigmatic I love that. You know, I had never heard of this whole idea of thank you for your parents for bringing this up to us and I think this is a, a good way of passing that on, right? You know, the porch stories, you're absolutely right. I would never tell the person walking down, you know, the street all my stuff. It's how you doing? How's the day? Da da da. You know, very very uh, top level, right? And uh I 
the differentiation between the living room and kitchen is so interesting because many times I've been in that situation where all of a sudden you're washing dishes or prepping the coffee or tea, whatever for the guests. And, uh, you know, so-and-so comes in, Hey, so how's it going? You know, and then you really get into the detail of it where, you know, you don't want to let everybody else know. So uh, I thought that was a really good explanation. And hey, yeah, we don't get into bedroom stories here, but we get it. <laughs> <laughs> and you know exactly the reason why we hope we don't go there. But there are those stories as well. <laughs> but one thing you've done really well, um, Tanya, and maybe, this, you know, I see you doing it. So I'm like, well, other people, smart people are doing this. Maybe I can do it too. And it's the ability to tell personal stories in like a quote unquote business setting. So like LinkedIn, for instance, an example. Mm -hmm. I mean, you and I both post about our mom, our dads, our kids. like So that other people can learn from these things. Absolutely. And that's what's your, and that's exactly what I love about you too, Martha. And and I gravitate as much towards you as you do towards me because of, I think, the fact that I see you, I feel you, I hear you because you are, you know, you're someone who comes across as very, very authentic. So there are people who you can follow for years. There are people who you can meet every single day of your life. And yet you feel like you don't know them. Because they just are so guarded. And I think the way that you also share your personal life and there are life lessons there. Yes, often, most often they connect with business, but sometimes it's okay to just post something because it's you. And, you know, we don't leave our personal selves at home when we come to work. We are wholesome beings. And it would be terrible if we were expected to just bring half of ourselves just the professional selves. But we are good at what we do because of the hearts that we have and because of how we are in our personal lives as well. I think that only adds to who we are. Absolutely. And, you know, that's one of the things that I've always, you know, for the most part, I would say at 80% been myself at work, right? I am my dorky self. I am, you know, um, <laughs> loud. I, I, anyways, I, I am how I am. But now more than ever, I've been, you know, there's this whole push for being authentic and being yourself at work. Well, guess what? We're in our bedrooms, our kitchens, wherever we're working from. It's the same thing. So True why that. should we do that any differently, right? Mm-hmm. Also, I found that in my almost almost 30 years, I'm not that young. Uh, <laughs> but you look incredibly young. There, what there is a filter skin. going on right now. <laughs> like anybody that I've gotten close to to your point where I bring a little bit of my personal self in a work environment and it doesn't matter if it's a high tech like I work with a top company in the world right if you get to know Mm -hmm. me and a little bit of my daughter maybe a little bit of my kid or what's happening in like my personal life guess what we just connected just that much closer and now I invite you out to you know, let's go to lunch or whatever it is. Well, now I'm inviting you kind of into the kitchen a little bit. Maybe we're in the hallway, you know, that kind of thing. And so most of my jobs have been through people that have allowed my personal self to come through at a hundred percent because they know me. They know me. They're like, I know her, her like personal self. I know her work value. I, and together, boom. Yes. Talk to her. There is a huge value in that. 
Absolutely. In fact, I think, Martha, it makes it so much easier to work with people when you understand them at a personal level. Because otherwise, you could just, you know, they could just leave you baffled. Like, why are you the way you are? So you could be a stickler for time. Or you could be someone who who loves food and for you, taking that lunch break on time could be absolutely necessary because you know uh, that that's just how you grew up. That And you know, that's the kind of family that you came from where they said work is important, but you nourishing your body and your mind and your soul is equally important. So take a break, have your food and then go back to studies or doing whatever you were doing. So you know how systems get set in our lives. Even little things like what time we sleep, what time we wake up, it's all a part of how we've grown up to be. I think us sharing our personal lives a little bit and our personal stories helps other people understand us better. Hence, we are not stepping on anyone's toes. We embrace them for who they are and we make progress and we take fewer steps back. We mostly take steps forward. That's right. That's right. One of the, you just said uh, getting to know each other. And um, one of the things you did for me, and, you know, I'm from Mexico, right? Other side of the world. You do nothing. I I don't know how much you know about the Mexican um, story and immigrants and all that. Anyways, not important. What was important is anybody who's listening to me, Tanya invited me to do an event in India where I told my personal story. That was my personal story. Now, granted, it was my own, right? And there's, you know, a lot, this this culture is, <laughs> in California, there's a lot of this, okay? But nobody really talks about it. So for time, here in California, nobody talks about it, Tanya. Mm-hmm. Here in the United States, nobody talks about it. So for mm-hmm. you to allow me to take that to India yeah. was amazing. Because, okay, maybe they got a little glimpse of, okay, not necessarily the Mexican story, but the struggle story. You know, the story of people who might not have what you have, right? So it no longer became a Mexican story, but it became a story of somebody who's overcome. And that, that I think, crosses oceans, just like we did. Indeed, Martha. And I'm so glad you brought that up because this is a good place and an opportunity for me to tell you exactly why you you, you popped into my head. And you're right about that. Yes, culturally, we are very different. People in India know about the Mexican story, more or less. I think the Hollywood movies and all the exposure to Western culture has helped us to be more aware. So we are not clueless. But, you know, so it's it, like you said, it wasn't about the story of a Mexican woman from Mexico and the struggles that she had as a child being smuggled in, parents having the courage, because that's what your parents did, right? To hand you over as a little tiny bundle and you know, hand you over to strangers to cross over, got you again on the other side, all the struggles your dad had, everything about your husband too. I think when I hear it, it's a human story, Martha. There are so many people here in India who have moved from India to Pakistan, people from Pakistan who moved to India. We are still as an economy, as a nation, we have many people who are struggling. And you're right, it doesn't matter where you come from, but it was your human story, which was so much more valuable. And where I invited you for a talk and the audience that was there, and I uh, I remember how my conversation went. And I, I you're, you're, you're one of those people, Martha, that I did not hesitate to reach out. And you're the first person I called because as soon as they said that we 
we need to see folks oh love back to you across the screen <laughs> yes 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 hard signs uh, but i i said that and you know you were the first person that popped into my head and i said i know exactly the person whose story is going to inspire this audience because these were leaders from an IT company and you know how technology folks can be sometimes they you know they talk too much about technology business but can restrain themselves sometimes and i said who better because you come from a technology background too you're working from you, you were working with adobe at the time and you came and you talked to them and you were just a real person you were so real for them and you inspired them in such an amazing way we heard such great feedback about it they said they loved having you and that for 45 minute one hour talk was exactly what they needed and from across the world uh you, so Thank i just had chills all over my body and to me that's like i heard <laughs> it's confirmation that like it's whatever it is it's keep doing it right so cuz you know honestly i am very inspired well what's happened is since i told my story and it's only been 2 years what people have started inviting me to their kitchen Yes, you started inviting me. So you invited me to your kitchen saying, "Hey, come on over here and tell us a little bit more about that. Come on, why don't you tell these people yeah. how you Anyways, when I get a message like the one you sent me or, you know, anybody because I get all of these kitchen invites to say, mm-hmm. you know, I'm also kind of struggling with this X whatever it might be. It it's not an immigrant story. You know, yeah. it's they're struggling with feeling better about themselves or struggling because maybe they had some obstacles along the way. They had a kid young, maybe have some legal status there. Anyways, bottom line is obstacle stories are like Absolutely. universal, right? So I Absolutely. do bring my and and maybe I'm a bull in a china shop here, but we're human. Mm-hmm. I mean, at the core of everything, we are human. So I I'm throwing away the book for this. There I don't even know if there is a book for this. It's maybe something I need to write. But, you know, same thing in our culture. You know, we we go to these companies and we interview and we say, "Okay, we have to interview, look a certain way, you know, say certain words. Uh, oh, it's going to be a high-tech company. I better do da 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 da." When in reality, if you just brought a little bit of your personal self to that interview or to that environment, you would fit in so much better. Sometimes we yes. have right indeed i couldn't agree more with you i think where it becomes very difficult for recruiters as well to distinguish a from b from c from d is that a lot of times people you know when you're applying for a position in an organization it's a given that you would have the set of qualification that they're looking for what they're really looking to see when they're interviewing you is not what you bring with you which is that piece of paper which has all of your skills and knowledge and the projects that you worked on and other companies that you worked with not the experience they're looking for your character what kind of person are you what what kind of value system do you have in different situations how do you operate how do you adapt how do you grow that's what they're interested in is there a value match can you and i zing that's what they're looking for but the zinging doesn't happen because if you have people who hold themselves back and they're not transparent they they're shrouded they don't take that cloak off and they you know and they have a mask on their faces then how do you distinguish one from the other it's really that person wins who has a better story to tell and the better story is not the fake story 
it's always anchored in truth. But when you have the courage to say your truth. Yeah. So thank you for saying this, because I think this is going to teach a lot of people something. And I keep you, you articulated it beautifully. You are being compared against a thousand other documents, LinkedIn profiles that look exactly the same. That look exactly the same. If you got into that interview process, be different, be yourself, not be different, be yourself in there. Yes. Then see if you, if there's a match. And by the way, if you're yourself and you still feel there's a disconnect, maybe it might not be the right place for you too. I think Mm -hmm. it's important to look at that as well, but yeah, you're absolutely right. It's the match of characters and personalities that will exactly part. And I'm so glad that we're talking about this because a lot of times people think I need to make up a story, practice it, know it from, you know, by heart and, you know, from rote memory, just go and vomit. That's not what storytelling is. And that would never connect you to people. I think we just have these invisible antennas, Martha. Do you you feel that way? Like we have these invisible antennas and we can sense when people are faking it. They are not being honest. They're just saying it because because they because it sounds right but it's not really who they are i think at a at a at a deep personal level we can sense it when it's not true well i think yeah there's definitely um i sense it i mean if i it, like you said if people are a little guarded or i i can tell they maybe rehearsed it i'm not going to talk to them again it's going to be really hard because i don't have that connection but if you yeah. come in there like hey tiny oh my god how's tiny t da, 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 all of a sudden we're <laughs> Right. But I wouldn't say do that, but bring yourself to wherever you're going. And that's much better connect. Humanity is a much better connection than anything ever. Yes. And that's, and and you said it so beautifully. Humanity is the, is a much better connection than anything. And let's just be human and let's just be, just be honest with each other. And let's just, uh, and also express how we feel. And, you know, Martha, I, I think, I hope it doesn't get lost in that communication because you said something very valuable, which is that it's okay if you do not have that connection, you don't have to struggle to find it because if your character and value system doesn't match another person's or, or an organization's, it's a good thing you're not there then. It, it'll just be such a struggle for people there and for yourself. It's not about, you know, how many interviews did you crack and did you get accepted everywhere you went? You will still accept only one offer. And it's also good for you if you're if you're honest and transparent and if you share your stories that you can see how other people are taking those stories. Are they comfortable with them? Are they not comfortable? Or, you know, whether there would be a, a deeper understanding eventually or not? Or will this only lead to rifts and conflicts? And we don't want conflicts. There's a saying, rejection is redirection. And I love that saying because, you know, a lot of times these young, this young talent or these people who are just starting in the workplace or, you know, folks who want to get into it, beat themselves up for not getting jobs. They beat themselves up and what can I do better or whatever? Keep going, but do it as yourself because you will end up at the right place with the right people if you just follow that. And hey, if it doesn't work out, you almost have to learn, learn to just kind of go, ah, brush it off your shoulder, moving on. It wasn't meant to be. If we could just practice that a little bit better I and mean, anywhere you go, just do it being yourself. I, I think it's going to be make you much better employee, much better person. You'll end up at the right place. But to your point, those antennas, you know, are up there too. 
right? Yes. Which, is, which is so weird. And they teach us this in school. I mean, when I took some business classes, I was like, how am I supposed to be a robot and memorize all of these scripts and talk? No, I can't do that. I can't do that. I can't do that. And that's why I never got a job with people I didn't know, <laughs> because, <laughs> which was blessing in disguise. Yeah. Blessing. I want to work with the people I can connect with. Martha, it continues to happen to us, to me, especially people who are, you know, in a consulting role, because there are sometimes clients, prospective clients who would reach out to us, but they're not ready to part with information. They want you to do all the legwork and hard work. And they say that, you know, you tell us what you can do, but, but I, look at it this way. Okay. Can a doctor give you a you know a medication or prescribe a medication without doing a diagnosis how do i do a diagnosis if you do not tell me what the symptoms are so sometimes you know there are folks who would want to be very careful and guarded and they say no everything's going really well so if everything's going well then you don't need any help at all you're you're self sufficient so i think it's it's also very important for people to continue to do good work to acknowledge the failures because when you share that failure story is when you can find the solutions and the right fixes and and work towards a better future but a lot of times people fail to acknowledge Well, and I think also, I mean, one of the most respectful moments that I can think of was a a big executive at one of, um, I think it was at Adobe. And one of the most like impactful things he did was actually admit he didn't know. Okay. He didn't know. We were going through some hard times. There was a, a program that wasn't going as well as it should. And somebody says, well, what should we do? And, you know, they expect these leaders to have all the answers. They're just humans, guys. They're just humans, just like us. Take away all the fancy clothes on the weekends and you won't tell them from anybody else. But bottom line is, he says, I don't know. If you guys have any ideas, come to me. But here's this leader that everybody's like looking up to him, like, what's the answer? What's the answer? And you know what? I thought it was very humbling. And I think it gave permission for people to also say, maybe they don't, don't fake that you don't know either. Yes. I think that you'll be able to see that. You'll be able to see right through that because we have those antennas on even, you know, so anyways, I thought I just wanted to bring that up because a lot of times, you know, we pretend we know all of this stuff, but to be honest, we can see right through it. Absolutely. And I couldn't agree more with you. In fact, I'm sure that when a leader says, I don't know, that leader creates uh, a space for other people to start thinking. And then come up with ideas. I think if we could all crowdsource ideas and just say that, okay, I don't know, but we are here to brainstorm and figure. And let's figure it out together. Maybe you'll propose something and I will dispose it and someone else would probably say that it's not the best idea, but they would come up with something else. But that's where we create a space and open doors for conversation, for thoughts. We invite ideas. If Imagine a leader who always says, I know best. Yeah. <laughs> that would be a terrible world because that leader has had a yes that he or she may come with a lot of experience, but maybe someone else has an even greater idea which would do so much better. But this leader wouldn't create space for it because they would always put their hand up and say, I know what to do and let me tell you what to do and how to do it. People would stop thinking. The well, culture would deteriorate. I just had a epiphany or like a vision where if a leader would do that, it, it makes you feel smaller and smaller, yes. like and smaller. And all of a sudden, you don't even think you're valuable there to your point. So quite yeah. honestly, 
all of you leaders out there, if you don't know, say you don't know and invite ideas and you'd be surprised how many different types of ideas you get and how I think involved the people that you work with would feel. And I think, you know, being inclusive of that involvement is so powerful. Yes, indeed. Martha, what you just said about how a person can feel smaller and smaller. And, you know, I think everybody wants to create value wherever they are. What you said about, you know, if you feel that you're not creating value, then what joy do you have if you just follow orders? So give other, yeah, it takes the joy out of the job. So get people to contribute and create value so that they they have self-worth. Yeah, and and find those places that give you joy. And by the way, they might not be in the fanciest of departments, the biggest of organizations, the biggest of, you know, anyways, I'm just saying, just find that joy. It's not necessary. It doesn't necessarily have a monetary value there. One thing I wanted to talk to you about, Tanya, because you you said it, was um, not being scripted when telling these stories. And you're right. Like if I'm going to the kitchen, I'm not going to have a script as to what I'm going to tell that person. You actually, and you do this very well in your writings, in your speaking, in your ability to storytell. And by the way, go to her LinkedIn, like post like past ones and look at Tanya's ability to storytell. Like Tanya, you take me back to when I was a kid and that teacher is like telling you this story and we're just mesmerized. Like, <laughs> uh, where's this story going? And whether it's, you're talking about a, a professional experience that you're going through or a, a story with, you know, lessons like we did when we were a kid. You do that so beautifully. Anyways, I I learn a lot from you. But uh, what I was going to tell you is memorizing of that script, right? When you're at the, you know, truth, because I think at the base of everything is the truth, storytelling, whether it's a business or personal, just start there. Start from the truth. Don't try to sugarcoat it or make it look nicer. It's the truth. So I, I didn't know if you can tell us a little bit about that. Sure. Uh, Martha, about the fact that, you know, why, first of all, the reason why you shouldn't go scripted when you're telling a story. So there's a huge difference between poetry and storytelling. You know, in poetry, because you just have two or three stanzas to go through and they're limited words and each word is extremely crucial and critical to expression and for weaving and painting a picture. You can't go wrong with it. So if ever someone has to do spoken word, you know, like poetry and present it, it's advisable to to practice so many times that the words just flow and you do not commit errors. But when it comes to storytelling, why should you not go scripted? Because if 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 you're reading out or if we have memorized and rehearsed it so many times that we are saying it word for word, it takes away spontaneity. I think after a time, because it's a story that you're delivering from memory that you may be so focused on getting the right word in the right place that you may forget to be authentic in your expression. So it could be your body language. It could be the natural sensations and emotions that we have while we are sharing a story. So, so that, that goes away, which is why it shouldn't be practiced and rehearsed like that. Thank you for saying this because you just affirmed. So my last podcast was Jason Levine. I don't know if you saw him. Take a look at that, that podcast. Anyways, it was the behind the scenes of me eventually getting up on stage and speaking for the first time that story that you heard. But yeah. one of the things he told me was don't memorize it because you want it to come from, a, from the truth and from the yeah. heart. 
do know what order things come in? Yes, absolutely. Do know that. Yes, go ahead. <laughs> so I was, you know, I, I couldn't agree more, but you should know what you're going to say. Yes. So we call that a story spine, you know, so imagine the, you know, or, or the bare bones of a story. So you know, just like you have a skeleton to a body and the flesh and the veins and the blood and all the clothes and jewelry, these are all just embellishments. As long as you know what the spine is and if you know the skeleton of the story, it's very important to have the structure of the story, right? Like you wouldn't want to give out the climax too soon and you want to start at the beginning and you want to end where it ends with a conclusion or a resolution. So that bit you should be very clear about as to how would my story flow. And uh, so think of it like big headings. So imagine if your story has five paragraphs and if you had to put a heading or a headline to each of those paragraphs, the headline should be interesting enough and vivid in your mind so that you don't miss what comes under, you know, like in the newspaper. So you know what you have to say. Your next heading or headline should be very clear in your head so that you know what you're going to say and how you're going to say it, but not word for word. Yeah. And so Jason, just like you, so you're a master storyteller. Jason does speaking coaching for executives Mm -hmm. and for little old me, Uh, but he told me the same thing. He's like, you know, what are those headlines you know you're going to be seeing a screen in my particular case uh there was a screen in front of me that gave me the headline okay okay it's time to talk about me getting kicked out of school or whatever that is okay done and I kind of knew some of the things and then you know on and on and on uh but he said it's like a movie you know it has to be a movie you set the background and then you kind of build up and eventually you give people what you know they want I it's the same thing that you're talking about with all of your amazing storytelling. And you always end with a lesson, which I love, which I, that's like my personal favorite is the lessons. And actually I took your teachings and I just started a little YouTube channel and I'm like, I'm going to have lessons of Martha. (laughs) (laughs) Please do send me the link. I shall start following you. Oh my goodness. (laughs) There's so much to learn from you, Tanya. Anyways, you're here because you inspire me. I think that your platform using um, LinkedIn as a social platform to storytell in different ways because you you storytell about different things is amazing. Mm -hmm. You've given us this insight on the porch. Your parents are right here. (laughs) The porch stories, the living room stories, the kitchen stories. That just opened up a whole different thing for me. So I continue Mm -hmm. to learn. And I think the most important thing that I've learned from me being connected with you as a human is that the world is small and given this small world, let's make it as best as possible and connect to the human level as possible. Don't script connection. Don't yes. Script. Couldn't have said it better myself, Martha. Don't script connections. Keep them genuine. Yeah. On that note, I'm going to close it right now, Tanya. I don't know how to end without, you know, cutting you off. So um, good night. Tanya, thank you so much for your time today. And thank um, you so much, Martha. Peace and love from California. Oh, I'm sending you loads of love back to you from India. And I would like to leave you with one thought, which is that, you know, to be a good storyteller, 
it's very important to be a good story listener because the only way we'll know what story to tell and to who we need to hear people out first because in this such a loud world where all of us are trying to get a word in people are barely listening to each other you and jason said the same thing pause listen we are moving too fast people pause and listen to the human words that are coming out of people's mouth we will learn and thank you for saying that listen is just as important as telling i love you tanya i love you love you love you and i love um, you back have a good night you too thank you so much adios this is moments with martha peace and love everyone adios peace